This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Richard Nixon. Well, I'm not a crook. Ronald Reagan. Tear down this wall. George W. Bush. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And Donald Trump. And a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics and he's a professional at the highest level. Roger Stone. All of these presidents relied on one man to secure their seat in the Oval Office. That man is Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. Welcome. This is The Roger Stone Show, and I'm your genial host, Roger Stone. We're here every Sunday from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time talking about politics, news, history, style, food, and, well, much, much more. You can always hear us at 770 on the AM dial in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area where I grew up. But if you're out of town, you can always hear us live streaming worldwide at WABCradio.com. Actually, I recommend that you download the 77 WABC radio app onto your cell phone. That way, you won't miss any of the great lineup here on 77 WABC. This is, without any question, the single best lineup on AM radio anywhere. Uh, We're talking about uh, the great Sid Rosenberg, who you can hear uh, in the mornings on your way to work. Wow, how we really miss his late partner, Bernie. It's an amazing show. The right way to start your day. Then, of course, there's Rita Cosby, an incisive veteran radio journalist who breaks down the headlines for you every weeknight at 10. You don't want to miss it. We're also talking about the Larry Kudlow Show. Larry Kudlow, the supply-side apostle, the economic growth advocate, the man who actually quarterbacked Donald Trump's amazing gay plan to successfully revitalize the American economy. In fact, I was on with Larry Kudlow, former chief economic advisor to President Donald Trump, Uh, to analyze the upcoming 2024 presidential election only yesterday. It's a show you don't want to miss. You must also enjoy the offbeat commentary of Frank Marano and his late-night show, The Other Side of Midnight. Uh, My old pal Dominic Carter, who always has his finger on the pulse of New York and can tell you what they're saying out on the streets, You don't want to miss my friend of 40 years, Cindy Adams, the queen of gossip. She always has the inside story. Uh, And, of course, there's America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. I published a piece on Friday 
about the crucifixion of Rudy Giuliani, a great American hero who deserves much, much better than he's getting today. We'll talk about that later in the show. I'd be remiss if I also didn't mention his hard-charging son and future governor of New York, Andrew Giuliani, whose show precedes mine. Uh, You don't want to miss Greg Kelly, son of one of New York City's greatest police commissioners, but also a superb political analyst and commentator in his own right. Also, perhaps, the single-dressed man in all of New York at least when I'm not in town. And then, of course, there's Katz and Cosby uh, with John Katzimatidis and Rita Cosby with a panel of top experts analyzing the day's news every weekday at 5 and then setting the table for Sundays at 8 a.m. After my show, be sure to tune in for my old pal Joe Piscopo with Sundays uh, with Sinatra. He, he pulls down the very best from the chairman of the board, old Blue Eyes himself. That's at 6 o'clock Eastern Time here on 77 WABC Radio. WABC Radio, we're making AM radio great again. Joining us on today's show is actor, comedian, and hysterically funny stand-up comic Rob Schneider, Uh, He is uh, not only a strong critic of the coming digital currency, uh, a a forthright critic of the trans agenda in our public schools, including this uh, policy of not telling parents about what's going on with their children. But more importantly, he is a strong and articulate supporter of Robert F. Kennedy. Rob Schneider joins us today to tell us why he's for RFK and what the outlook for Robert Kennedy's presidential campaign is. So what Rob Schneider is to Robert F. Kennedy, well, that's what Frank Sinatra was to JFK. Also on the Roger Stone show today is lawyer Mike Davis, former chief counsel to the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, He is active with the uh, Article 3 project to make sure uh, that federal judges appointed to the bench are solid constitutional respecting conservatives. He's also active in the Internet Accountability Project and the Unsilenced Majority Project uh, that has to do with fighting counterculture. Uh, It is an interview you're not going to want to miss. Uh, The knives are really out for Joe Biden. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy was finally goaded into opening an impeachment inquiry this this past week. Now, the truth is that I don't think McCarthy would have moved forward if Florida Congressman Matt Gates had not scheduled floor time for last Thursday, in which he let it be known that if McCarthy did not move forward with articles of impeachment, that Gates, uh, who is a firebrand, was going to introduce a motion to vacate the chair. There's a subset of House Republicans very upset with Speaker McCarthy for his failure to date to keep move term limits legislation to move towards a balanced budget. Uh, But 
probably most importantly, his abject failure to release all of the film footage from government cameras on Capitol Hill on January 6th. It is important to recognize that the announcement of the impeachment inquiry in the House uh, is not the moving of articles of impeachment. Uh, in other words, it's more of a political move than an actual legal one. House Speaker McCarthy's announcement Tuesday doesn't really change what Republican investigators led by House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer, Republican of Kentucky, who's appeared here on WABC, and Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan, uh, have already been working on. Uh, it's really at this point even unclear whether McCarthy will call for a full House vote uh, declaring his impeachment inquiry. You see, it's largely a PR move. It doesn't have any new legal implications. Up until now, he's really just uh, simply renaming the work that Comer and Jordan are already doing. And although I like and admire both of them, in all honesty, they're moving at a snail's pace. The Biden administration is stonewalling efforts for documents, particularly from the Treasury Department, uh, that would use bank records to track the financial machinations of the Biden crime family, including Joe Biden himself, son Hunter Biden, and uh, brother Jimmy Biden. Now, if they continue to resist, of course, the House would have the option of voting a contempt citation and sending it to the Justice Department. In other words, they would have to appeal to the very people who are really directing the stonewalling of the inquiry. Now, Steve Bannon uh, and uh, uh, others, uh, including Peter Navarro, have actually been charged and convicted for their failure to submit to a legal House subpoena to testify before the January 6th committee. But does anyone think uh, that the House would hold the Treasury Secretary or even the Attorney General in contempt uh, and then have the Justice Department move on the very people directing the cover-up? Uh, I think not. Uh, Andrew McCarthy wrote in the New York Post, that in an impeachment inquiry, the House legitimately functions like a grand jury conducting a criminal investigation. In this instance, probing bribery as well as high crimes and misdemeanors, which McCarthy notes don't have to be penal offenses, but usually are. As a practical matter, McCarthy writes, congressional committees frequently act as if they are grand juries. For example, the House January 6th Committee which was an unabashed, biased, one-sided effort to prove crimes by Donald Trump and make a much ballyhooed criminal referral to the Justice Department towards that end. It was amazing kabuki theater. In fact, in those hearings, a woman uh, by the name of Cassidy Hutchinson actually testified under oath that it was her impression that President Donald Trump instructed White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows on the afternoon of January 5th to, quote, call Roger Stone and General Michael Flynn 
to find out what was going to happen on January 6th. Well, you can hear from the horse's mouth that no such phone call was ever received. In fact, I've never spoken to Mark Meadows in my life uh, by phone, email, or text. I did, I think, meet him once in a green room in Fox Television back when he was a congressman. Uh, Hutchison, who I've also never met, went on to say that, well, Mark Meadows uh, was supposed to attend a meeting at a war room in the Willard Hotel where efforts to delay the certification of the Electoral College uh, by the U.S. Senate were being coordinated, but that she persuaded him not to attend. But it was, quote, her impression that Meadows later called Stone and Flynn for a rundown on the meeting. I'm sorry, but Miss Hutchinson has perjured herself. If there was a war room in the Willard, I was never in it. I attended no such meeting, wasn't involved in any such effort, and once again, never heard from Mark Meadows on January 5th, or for that matter, any other date. You see what I mean about this being Kabuki theater. There are, uh, as uh, Andy uh, McCarthy points out at the New York Post, some real advantages of an impeachment inquiry, uh, but recognizing that this is a political process. In the court of opinion, it's more egregious for the executive branch to defy the information demands of an impeachment committee than those of an ordinary committee. Perhaps that's why McCarthy made his symbolic move. It's really not all that much of an advantage, although, though, uh, let's face it, calling it an impeachment committee as opposed to calling it an oversight committee, you, you can call it anything you want. The Biden administration is going to continue to stonewall. Congressional Democrats are going to continue to say it's a witch hunt. I've heard that phrase before, whipped up by MAGA Republicans to distract from Trump's criminal indictments. And the media Democrat cabal is going to continue to circle the wagons, insisting on the president's innocence. Now, McCarthy believes that Comer and the Republican-led committee are doing a great job. Uh, I kind of disagree with him there. In fact, I think they are behind the curb. If you go to MarcoPoloUSA.com, pardon me, .org, it's MarcoPoloUSA.org, uh, Marco Polo is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that has taken on the mission of printing, uh, I should say, pulling down, curating, footnoting, uh, and publishing Hunter Biden's shocking laptop. All the contents are there. Uh, you can go to MarcoPoloUSA.org. You can download it to your own computer, or you can ask them to send you a copy, uh, it is truly shocking. Now, this past week, uh, Marco Polo USA was sued by Hunter Biden's lawyers uh, over their possession and dissemination of Hunter Biden's laptop material, which has been already read into the congressional record and is therefore quite obviously in the public domain. 
Garrett Ziegler, uh, the crusading young truth teller who heads Marco Polo, is going to be with us next Sunday on the Roger Stone Show. You're not going to want to miss that. My point, of course, is that the Marco Polo Foundation, uh, or the Marco Polo nonprofit, I should say, uh, is light years ahead of the House Republicans. In fact, it blows my mind that neither Congressman Comer uh, or Jordan have yet to subpoena a single member of the Biden family. Where is the subpoena for Hunter Biden? Folks, if you are just tuning in, I'm Roger Stone. This is the Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC Radio. We're going to be here till 5 o'clock, and it's politics, politics, politics. I think that's what people tune in for. To continue in this vein, uh, it is absolutely clear that House Republicans have found hard evidence of extortion, bribery, money laundering, racketeering, influence peddling, illegal lobbying, uh, as well as whistleblower testimony documenting uh, the wires of millions and millions of dollars, not just to Hunter Biden, but to Joe Biden himself and other members of the Biden crime family from China, uh, from Russia, from Ukraine, from Romania. Let me remind you, it took House Democrats under Nancy Pelosi exactly five days to move actual articles of impeachment, not an impeachment inquiry, but articles of impeachment that then required a trial in the U.S. Senate. Folks need to remember that a vote of impeachment in the House is just an accusation, essentially an indictment. And a president is not impeached or removed until the U.S. Senate passes uh, a, uh, a, uh, those articles and essentially convicts uh, the, the president, in this case Joe Biden, in a U.S. Senate trial. Now, when the House Democrats impeached Donald Trump, not once but twice, They knew that they did not have the two-thirds votes necessary in the U.S. Senate, but they did it for strictly political reasons, and they used the trial in an attempt to discredit Trump. I think the situation here is very much the same. It is unlikely uh, that the uh, Republicans can muster a two-thirds vote of the U.S. Senate, which would be necessary to impeach Joe Biden, but make no mistake about it, uh, he would suffer mightily from a televised impeachment trial in the U.S. Senate. In response to the House Republicans' impeachment moves, uh, Barack Obama and the Democratic establishment have made their move. In all honesty, the knives are out for Joe Biden, uh, as Democrats, uh, realizing that between his inability to string together a coherent sentence, uh, his uh, tall tales, which really pretty much blow your mind, uh, and his impact of his disastrous policies, the highest gasoline prices 
uh, in recent history, a 76% increase in the cost of groceries, epic infla uh, inflation, which is destroy destroying the buying power uh, of the dollar of working American families, uh, a, uh, a slowing of the economy, the jiggering of the unemployment numbers, where they deduct from the unemployment statistics those who have given up and stopped looking for work, uh, and the mindless policy of shipping billions more to Ukraine with no accountability. In fact, Ukrainian President Zelensky will be back in the United States uh, to lobby for another $21 billion this coming week. Now, it, it blows my mind that the U.S. Senate rejected an amendment by Senator Rand Paul to appoint an inspector general uh, from the Government Accounting Office to keep track of where all that money is going. I'd sure like to know, wouldn't you? But a, a reading of the press will tell you that Barack Obama and the Democratic establishment are now making their move on Joe Biden. When the New York Times and the Washington Post both opine by some of their most influential columnists that Joe Biden is just too old, in fact, David Ignatius, mouthpiece for the political establishment, actually calls for Joe Biden not to run again. Uh, and when CNN shows a poll that shows two-thirds of Democrats want a different nominee, think Joe is just too old, uh, and a Wall Street Journal poll shows that 73% of all American voters think Joe is too old, as opposed to only 47% that say Donald Trump is too old, well, the combination of a resurgent Donald Trump uh, and the slow motion collapse of Joe Biden is really giving Democrats the creeps. Even Franklin Four, who just wrote a book on Joe Biden, concedes that he would not be surprised if Joe decides not to run. Uh, and then Nancy Pelosi was asked about whether Joe Biden should run again. And she was somewhat evasive, saying, well, I hope so. Not exactly a strong endorsement. Then when Nancy Pelosi uh, was asked whether Kamala Harris uh, was ready to step in, uh, she was evasive about that as well. She praised uh, the current vice president as politically astute, but uh, when she was pushed further by Anderson Cooper, she simply smirked. Last week, Joe Biden's slow motion collapse uh, was on full display again when he said that uh, he remembers being on the ground in uh, ground zero the day after 9-11, except for U.S. Senate records show that he was on the Senate floor in Washington, D.C. that day. You may remember about uh, six weeks ago, on the day after he returned to a trip to Ireland, uh, Joe Biden said that he couldn't remember the last time he'd been out of the country. But what happened late last week really blew my mind. Joe Biden told a group of rabbis last Thursday that he was raised in the synagogues of Delaware. 
this is kind of shocking because he actually said, you might say I was raised in the synagogues of my state. You think I'm kidding. I'm not, said Biden. What's really weird about this is that in Biden's 2007 memoir, Promises to Keep, he doesn't contain a single word of uh, the use of the word synagogue. And its seven uses of the word Jews or Jewish are only there in discussion his history and politics uh, in America. There's no mention of his growing up in any synagogues. That's because it is unlikely. Biden previously drew scrutiny when he said that he uh, was uh, raised in the Puerto Rican community in his home state. At the time Joe Biden ran for the U.S. Senate in 1972, there were only 2,000 Puerto Ricans living in the state of Delaware, and he has never previously mentioned any significant connection to the Puerto Rican community. This has uh, really uh, become kind of a, a recurring theme for Joe Biden. Uh, he said in the 1960s he was very concerned about the civil rights movement. In fact, he had previously said that he was arrested during civil rights protests. Yet in 1987, he says, I was not an activist. Uh, I was involved only in the knowing how blacks were thinking. But I was not out marching. I was not down in Selma. In fact, I wasn't anywhere else. What's going on with this guy? In 2021, he told Jewish leaders that he remembered spending time at or going to Pittsburgh's Tree of Life Synagogue in 2018 after the worst anti-Semitic attack in U.S. history in which 11 people were murdered. But it turns out that the rabbi in charge said that, well, Joe Biden had never visited the Tree of Life Synagogue. And then last month, Joe Biden told an Idaho audience that his first job offer coming out of school was from local lumber and wood products business, Boise Cascade. The president of the company said that was news to him. Then, of course, Biden famously said that he had been nominated for the U.S. Naval Academy, the prestigious uh, Annapolis Military College, by the late Senator J. Caleb Boggs, who Biden actually defeated in the 1972 election. But a search of both Navy archives as well as the archives of Senator Boggs turned up no such evidence uh, of uh, this appointment. So you can clearly see that Joe Biden is slipping. Uh, and that is why I predict to you again that in late November, uh, Joe Biden will move towards the exits. Now, it's important to note that Dr. Jill Biden, who's allied with Kamala Harris, is pushing back on this pressure, most of which is being orchestrated, in my opinion, by the de facto head of the Democratic Party. That would be Joe Biden. Kamala's recent claim that she's ready to step in if Joe can't continue is a signal to the Obamas to back off. See, the last thing Joe wants to do is lose the power to pardon himself, his son Hunter, and his brother Jimmy, or other members of the Biden crime family. So here is Stone's final prediction. Joe fills out the term, but he doesn't stand for re-election. 
In late November, Joe will announce that for health reasons, he will not stand in the 2024 election. But that still means that he would be president until January of 2025. That clears the deck for their real candidate. That is Michelle Obama. For those out there who are smirking or making crude jokes about Michelle Obama's gender, you are making a giant mistake. Now, where does this leave RFK? Well, my very best sources tell me that RFK is preparing to bolt the Democratic Party, the party of his uncle, President John F. Kennedy, uh, and his father, the late U.S. Senator Robert F. Kennedy Sr., and run as an independent. The difficulties of running as an independent are are extraordinary. We're going to talk about it later in the show. But when you hear that RFK is electing to go the independent route, well, remember that you heard it here first. I'm Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show. Uh, And as the late Jackie Gleason would say, get ready because away we go. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Richard Nixon. Well, I'm not a crook. Ronald Reagan. Tear down this wall. George W. Bush. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And Donald Trump. And a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics and he's a professional at the highest level. Roger Stone. All of these presidents relied on one man to secure their seat in the Oval Office. That man is Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. This is uh, Roger Stone, and this is The Roger Stone Show here on WABC Radio. I hope you will go download the 77 WABC radio app. That way, by loading it to your cell phone, you won't miss any of the great interviews, commentaries, or musical features that we have here on 
WABC Radio, where we're making AM radio great again. For example, you won't miss the commentary of my next guest. I think it was Milton Berle, an early comedian uh, known to many of our older listeners as Mr. Television, who once said, drama is easy, it's comedy that's hard. My next guest makes comedy look easy. In fact, he makes it look effortless. One of the very few stand-up comics who can actually make me laugh out loud. It is uh, my great privilege to honor and welcome Rob Schneider to The Roger Stone Show. Well, thank you so much, Roger, for that lovely, uh, what you just said was very, very nice. Uh, I will tell you, though, um, it's an interesting time for comedy because the stuff, you know, usually you have to write your own comedy, but now it, it is, um, it's pretty much, uh, you just read the newspaper and, or, or what newspapers people read. You just, like the climate protesters in Manhattan, um, they're protesting for uh, climate. They should, what they should all do, those protesters, they should go down to the beach and protest the ocean because most CO2s uh, come from the ocean. <laughs> so I think that's when I'll take them seriously as protesters. If they really care about the climate, they really want to get get these, uh, uh, you know, carbon down, carbon levels down. They really got to get the ocean where the ocean's weakest, the beach. Uh, for those who need a refresher, uh, Rob Schneider is, of course, an alum of Saturday Night Live. He is a actor, a comedian, and does incredibly devastating stand-up. You may remember some of his biggest movies. My favorite, Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. I had a guy working for me recently, a young guy, had never actually seen Animal House. I fired him immediately. Uh, uh, can you imagine? I mean... Again, that would that was a movie that wouldn't come out that you couldn't get made today, which is a sad thing for young people today, where they're they're being too coddled and protected. And I really think that a movie uh, like to me that were such hilarious hilarious movies that actually had uh, I think the right ideology, which was like Blazing Saddles. It was really making fun of of uh, you know people on the prairie and their racism. And uh, but just just the, just the idea of the it, it, it's just the content and it, it doesn't matter to the, the context anymore. It's the content, which is sad because I think movies that uh, like, you know, Blazing Saddles and and also Animal House, which was, um, you know, a, a group of downtrodden guys who uh, who get revenge on um, on, a, on, on a very strict dean, you know. And it's I, I, those kind of things, which were, uh, I would say, like some of the the happiest moments, kind of, you know, was the foundation for so much comedy that came after, uh, you know, Blazing Saddles and and Animal House. Uh, but some of the stuff that happens, like tonight, you have to look at it and you go, like, historically, like Roger, if you look at Joe Biden and the Biden regime, I mean, it really is a Biden family crime syndicate, what's happening now. And if it wasn't the fact that 95% of all media is captured by this uh, illiberal, liberal intelligentsia, it, he would just be under constant assault. But he's not. You know, if you take a look, if you combine, if you look at, like, and you compare uh, Joe Biden to Nixon, Nixon resigned, got impeached, and then later resigned for uh, knowing and perhaps having a hand in the cover-up of the Watergate break-in. 
Now, if you compare that to the to Biden, you would have to say the it, Biden is the equivalent of not only did he know about the break-in and help cover it up, but he participated in the break-in, <laughs> broke in, and then after broke in and covered it up, got paid by the Chinese. So it's, uh, yeah. to me, it's another level. That, uh, it, I, I can't believe that it's uh, it, it's that he, I don't think he'll make it through past February of next year. Yeah, it is. Uh, if comparing Watergate and Obamagate, which is nothing less than the uh, the uh, unauthorized use of the full legal authority of the U.S. government uh, and the extraordinary capability of our intelligence services to spy on and then launch an illicit, illegal effort to remove a duly elected president, we now know definitively thanks to special counsel John Durham, who took his sweet time, had to make sure the statute of limitations ran out so that the perpetrators of the most epic crime in American political history could not be prosecuted. There was no Russian collusion. And now you have, without any question, uh, in the case of uh, Joe Biden and the Biden crime family, evidence of extortion, uh, bribery, racketeering, money laundering, uh, illegal lobbying, influence peddling, multi-million dollar payments uh, to members of the Biden family, including Joe Biden, from China, from Russia, from Ukraine, specifically from a Ukrainian energy company that Joe was helping off by getting investigators uh, and prosecutors off their trail, uh, as well as Romania. Uh, We have a a two-term justice system. If Donald Trump uh, jaywalked Next week, it would be front page uh, uh, on every newspaper in the country. It would lead the news on CNN and MSNBC. Yet Joe Biden and his family literally steal millions, trade public policy positions uh, and his influence as vice president in return for millions of foreign dollars. Yet those in the media continue to tell us, oh, there's no proof. There's more than adequate proof. Let's take them at their word, Roger. Let's just say, let's just let's just go and all the way down the Democratic line. Joe Biden. Let's say he had absolutely nothing, did not benefit in any way. Just the fact that his whole family did it makes him the dirtiest, uh, the dirtiest president who ever served. As as if he never received any, any money. I mean that that's that's how dirty and bad it is. And I just don't I can't believe you can't get one Democrat who would say that this is wrong. I mean, it really is like Soviet Politburo, you know, time where you just you just don't have they just vote in a block, the Democrats, and they just keep uh, they just keep their head in the sand and uh, and just hope that they can just just that the, the public has no imagination and has no curiosity. But I don't think it's going to last. I don't think it's going to maintain. I'm, I'm surprised that it's lasted. This far, and I'm surprised at how uh, egregious and how ugly and, and obvious it was in the in the Biden's family's uh, theft and um, abuse of privilege. Uh, I, I just don't know. I mean, I, I would think that um, at some point you would have uh, somebody. I mean, the only person who's gently talking about it uh, in the political sphere is uh, on the Democrat side is uh, Robert Kennedy, and I, I would love for him to dig a little deeper. But he's such a good, nice guy. And he doesn't want to get dirty with politics that I think that's to his detriment, because I think it is it requires somebody to just just harp and stay on this. And somebody from uh, the Democrat side, you know, and I support Bobby Kennedy and 
I hope that, um, uh, you know, unfortunately, you're really dealing with um, uh, another crime syndicate, which is the Democratic National Committee, that is, <laughs> that can just, they, they make their own rules. They don't only have Democrats, they have delegates, they have super delegates. And, and can, if Robert was telling me something the other day, which was amazing, that if you are running for president and if you step into, I think it is New Hampshire or Iowa to campaign, then they won't count your delegates in Georgia. And I, that can't be right. I, I, maybe I'm hearing that wrong. No, but it's that, that, it's, that, it's that crazy. No, that, that is exactly right. This is the main reason I wanted to have you on the show today. You know, I had a very famous actor. Uh, you would know his name. Came to visit me, come to visit me uh, in South Florida not long ago. Supporter of mine, uh, a strong supporter of Robert Kennedy, as a matter of fact. I wanted to have dinner. I said, great, where do you want to go? He said, well, I'd really like to go someplace where we won't be seen. I said, pardon me? He said, well, you know how it is. I mean, if I was seen having dinner with you, people might think that I like Donald Trump, which I do, or that I support Robert Kennedy, which I actually do, uh, or that my politics are right of center, and then I wouldn't be able to get any work, and I'd be blackballed, and my life would fall apart. What I like about you, Rob, is I follow you uh, on X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, and whether it is uh, digital currency or whether it is climate change and that hoax or whether it is the transgender agenda uh, you you speak from the heart and you're a man of enormous courage uh and therefore your support of robert kennedy who uh, who i admire enormously now i've only met him once at a conference if you watch some people on x formerly known as twitter i'm his chief secret advisor which is nonsensical i admire him i like the fact that he's the only democrat who talks about sealing our southern border he's the only democrat who talks about health freedom he's the only democrat who is skeptical uh, about shipping billions more to ukraine uh he's the only democrat who talks about the hollowing out of our middle class and the fact that a cost of groceries basic groceries has increased by 76 percent since joe biden has been president so i think he's a man of enormous courage on the other hand, I agree with you. Uh, so the way I look at it is, as Frank Sinatra was to John Kennedy, President John Kennedy, Rob Schneider is to Robert F. Kennedy. You have been valiant in your advocacy, and I, I really salute you for that. Well, I thank you for that. I mean, I, I don't, I think you have to, we have to ensure for the next generation of, of kids and children, one, their physical safety. And that they are under threat by the health agencies, which is a revolving door between industry, big pharma, which is the real drug company. Forget about you know, the Mexican drug cartels. That's just a few billion dollars. We're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars, hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars that the uh, legal pharma does. And they control uh, the recommend the the uh, the recommendatory the, the recommendation advisory committee for vaccines. So the idea that because here's what they did. They approved it, uh, the COVID-19 shot for children. And they didn't do that because children are, they don't, children are not susceptible to this thing. It is not a danger to children, COVID-19, unless they have real, you know, unless they're taking cancer, have cancer or cancer treatments that have real uh, immunological problems, uh, which most kids don't. They, this is not an issue for them. But for, the, for big pharma, it is an issue because they have to have it on the child, um, the, the child shot, 
um, schedule because if they do that, then they have no liability for any injuries at all. And so that's what um, so that's why they cared about that. And so what you have there is you have the revolving door between industry and the regulatory agencies, which are supposed to protect uh, uh, the the health and uh, protect Americans. And what they're doing is they're just protecting the bottom line of big pharma, Pfizer, Moderna, and all, all these other companies, which are you know heavily owned by these giant conglomerates like BlackRock. And so what you have is you have someone who's willing to stand up against that, and I really admire him for that. And we have to – I mean, since when did the Democratic Party become the censorship party, the warmongering party? I don't understand where that transition took, and I don't understand why there is not one Democrat – not one who will talk about the fact that there has been hundreds of thousands of dead Ukrainians. And we're talking 350,000, which is an old, which is a six-month-old statistic, five-month-old statistic. I mean, let's, to make it for the people can understand in the United States, really, it's seven Vietnams for us. We have 56,000 people, Americans, who died in Vietnam. You're talking seven Vietnams. So how much is enough? I mean, it's like in any divorce. I mean, I, I, God bless. I, I love the Ukrainians. My grandmother's Ukrainian. But we're going to have to have – you're not going to get everything you want in this peace settlement, but there has to be peace. There has to be peace, and you have to – you can't continue the slaughter. And uh, the fact that the, the Democrats that are wanting to continue this thing and pushing the, pushing, uh, pushing the world closer to a nuclear conflict, I, I can't believe it's happening. I mean, they're just they're just, oh, they're more concerned about handguns. They're more concerned about um, uh, you know a, a slight temperature, which of course China and India won't have anything to do with the climate control. But it, the, the climate thing is another just a, a, another money grab, and it's another distraction. We have real problems in America that need to be handled, Roger. We have we have 54 percent. Another old statistic: 54 percent of our children have suffer from chronic chronic illnesses. That would have been un, you know, when you and I were kids, they didn't have this. They didn't have childhood uh, diabetes. They didn't have rheumatoid arthritis. They didn't have ADHD and autism. Autism now, which is um, one out of every 36 kids. So what, what we're doing is we really need to have specific things, and that's why I really think Robert Kennedy, um, you know, is, is an important figure, win or lose, because at least these issues are being talked and discussed. He wants to stop. There's only two countries, Roger, that allow direct drug ads to consumers, and that is uh, the great country of New Zealand and the United States. Only two. Why only two in the entire world? Because it's wrong. You can't talk people into like wanting to take drugs that maybe they don't need. But that's the power of the pharmaceutical industry. They are the big. They they pay for 85 percent of ads in a non-election year for all ads on television and the internet, all ads on radio, all ads everywhere on a non-election year. That is, and they pay for – they're the majority of, uh, of donors for, for political campaigns, not just the federal level, the state level. Every state congressman, every, every state uh, assemblyman, senator at the state level gets money from pharma. And so you really – it is a behemoth, and it is, a, it is nothing short of bribery to uh, push their drugs, which aren't making – we have the – we spend the most on drugs, Roger, in the country, and we have the most unhealthiest people. So at least although Robert Kennedy, well, I don't agree with him on guns, though he has moderated his position. I think guns are the only the – the fact that America, American citizens have 300 million guns is the only reason we were ever to climb out of that COVID tyranny. 
and it can only push us so far. And so I never was I was never a big fan of guns. I didn't understand it until you see real tyranny and you understand why it's the Second Amendment and why the First Amendment uh, to free speech is so important. You have the first one, which is free speech, which we all need in the whole everything falls apart. It's a house of cards without free speech. And you got guns right behind it because that backs up the free speech. And I really feel like now, uh, you know, at least with Robert Kennedy, we'll have a chance to have some of these things discussed as we move closer to the election. And I think it's going to help moderate even the Republicans to come around to these common sense issues that uh, that Robert Kennedy talks about. Uh, Folks, if you're just tuning in, I'm Roger Stone. This is uh, The Roger Stone Show. Uh, And we are talking to one of the most talented and revered comedians uh, in the country today, Rob Schneider, who is uh, outspoken on a number of his beliefs, uh, a strong and articulate supporter of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. for the Democratic Party nomination. But if you just go to his feed on X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, he is very articulate and uh, fearless. Uh, Unlike so many in the show business area, he tells you exactly what he thinks, which uh, leads me to my next question, Rob. How have you dealt uh, with the issue of censorship, uh, uh, with with shadow banning? Uh, Are there... there, uh, entertainment opportunities that you have lost because uh, you've been so outspoken and so forthright? I think I have, but like I said, the, the opportunities that I've already been given, um, I'm so grateful for that I would just like to pass this on and make sure that the my children and the children of today have those same opportunities to be able to speak their mind, to be able to have freedom of choice, to be able to... Um, uh, to be able to say what they want without uh, some sort of government repercussions. I mean, th- that's the thing that – another thing that was so stunning to me was we have to speak up when there is potential – when there is actual tyranny. I felt it coming under the Obama administration where you had um, the unconstitutional – you had the president now, um, routinely now the president, and, and it's the Republicans and the Democrats now – because of the abdication of congressional uh, leadership, they really have abdicated to the president. So you have this kind of emperor now, and neither do the Republicans or the Democrats want to take away these, these vast powers that the Patriot Act, uh, the, the remaining parts of the Patriot Act that exist, because they don't want to have to deal with the reelection. They don't want to have to deal with um, making any choices or making legislation that can make them look bad for reelection. So they'd rather have just the president do it because they know he's got term limits. They don't. And they, their job is to keep getting reelected. So that's, I mean, I really feel like we, I think especially people who have a voice need to stand up and speak for really the most basic of, of what our makes our country great, free speech, free choice, the ability to, um, to have to get a, a job, and to serve that job and not have to give in to any sort of government mandates. And that's what really pushed me over the edge was this, uh, the idea that you could get fired, that it, it's your body, your choice if you want to kill, kill uh, your baby. But if you want to uh, protect yourself and, and uh, not get an experimental gene therapy, then it's not your choice. You could lose your, your government job and you could, they can fire you from the hospital. At that point, that is medical tyranny. And I think people, luckily, people stood up for that. And um, people stood up to that, enough of them. 
And and that's what we need, Roger. We need like if you take a look at the American Revolution, it was you didn't get 50 percent of the farmers. They were all farmers then to stand up and fight the Brits. It was between three and five percent. So I think you're seeing now, Roger, uh, three and five percent. And then when it comes to 15 percent, then you will see real change and you'll see uh, what 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 Americans really want to uh, retain in this great country, the greatest experiment in human in humankind, which is this uh, idea of the individual and freedom and that there's opportunity here. And that's why our borders are being overrun. People aren't running out of America. They're running to America. Why? Because it's the greatest country on earth. And it affords you the opportunity to, and which I, which I want to fight to maintain, if you work your tail off, you can benefit from it. And who doesn't want to have that opportunity? But there's so many countries that with such a closed system, and it's a constant fight between too much control and too much uh, the ability to just do whatever you want. That's chaos. We don't want that. We're going to be a rule of law. We're going to continue laws. And that's what made the American Revolution so special is that they didn't just discard everything from Britain. They kept the ability to own property, and, and they kept the, the same judicial system. So that was important. I mean, you know, it, they, it was slightly changed, but the idea of justice uh, was still there. And whereas the French Revolution, they just started cutting people's heads off. So uh, I really feel that there's a time to stand up, and the time is to stand up now. And, and for this next election that's coming up, it's important for people to get involved. And whoever you support, but uh, support it and just know that your voice needs to be heard. And you don't, and to be fearless and stand up, and it may cost you something. It may cost me jobs, but I, I much prefer to uh, that my grandchildren know that I, I stood up for you know what I love about this country, and it's, I stood up for them so that their freedoms that they will hopefully continue to have as we move our way into the middle of the century. People need to remember that those who were cutting off people's heads at the beginning of the French Revolution were the people who were getting their heads cut off at the end of the French Revolution. Uh, America really is the last best bastion of hope uh, for Western civilization. Uh, We will, we can yet again be shining city on the hill, uh, as uh, Ronald Reagan called us. But you're absolutely right, Rob. It's all up for grabs in this next election. Now, we not only have to have a fair nomination process in both parties. I agree with you when you criticize the lockstep, brainless, zombie, uh, Marxist Democrats. But in all honesty, I think our real problem is not just the Democrats. It is the gutless, feckless, weak-kneed, lily-livered, white wine-swilling, country club-belonging establishment Republicans (laughs) who don't seem to have any belly to fight for the country. The fact that no member of the Biden family has yet been subpoenaed to testify before Congress about the epic corruption uh, of uh, the Biden regime is just, it's its mind-blowing. It really is mind-blowing. Well, well there is a cowardness. In, there is a, a, a real cowardice in Hollywood because when I first got into, you know, into acting, I thought, well, you know, people, I would think that the executives would want to make movies that they put their name on they could be proud of and that stood for something. And then I really, after years, you realize um, they, they don't work from that. They don't work from that perspective. They work like they know they're going to get fired from their cushy job. What will delay my inevitable firing the longest? 
And I have to say, Roger, it's the same thing with the Republicans now. It's like they are they are so fearful and they just don't want to push the button or don't want to go too far. And I got to tell you, that cowardice is noted. And I really feel like that is if they need to push this, they need to fight the, the fact that there it, 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 it isn't a drumbeat every day uh, is really telling that these uh, the Republicans just don't have any backbone at this point. And um, and you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it from the fourth estate you know, the media is cowed and completely 95% in the pockets of the Democrats. So you have a real crime family at the very top of the American political system that is not uh, that, that is not completely under investigation. We really need to have this blown open because if it is if it is in its worst case scenario that he did receive that Joe Biden, President Joe Biden did receive millions of dollars, this will be the biggest crime that any president has ever perpetrated on the American public. Yeah, no, there's no question. It makes uh, Lyndon Johnson, who, you know, he and his wife owned millions hours of stock in Bell Helicopter and Sikorsky, General Dynamics. They profiteered tens of millions of dollars on his escalation of the Vietnam War. This this makes that look like small potatoes. This is actually selling your your office, selling your authority uh, to the highest bidder, and in some cases to foreign nations who are enemies uh, of the United States. It will be the biggest scandal uh, in American political history. However, and I said this at the top of the show, the only reason Speaker McCarthy finally moved towards an impeachment inquiry, that's not an impeachment. That's not enacting the articles of impeachment, which, by the way, took Nancy Pelosi exactly five days to do against Donald, <laughs> Donald Trump with, with no real evidence whatsoever of wrongdoing. But the Democrats keep saying, oh, you have no proof. We have more than adequate proof. And McCarthy wants to study the matter. None of that would that would not even have happened had Congressman Matt Gates not scheduled floor time for around noon late last week. Uh, and it made it very clear he was going to make a motion to vacate the chair, which means remove Kevin McCarthy as speaker. Had Gates not taken that step, I still don't even think we'd have an impeachment inquiry. But the impeachment inquiry still has no teeth that the that the Congress doesn't currently have. It's basically uh, it's a fagazi. It's a it's a PR move to show people, oh, we're serious about this without taking actual action. It is really, really shocking. Nothing less than shocking. Rob, what I was is, still, but I also think it's cover. It's cover for them to say we have to fund and keep the government going because of this invest because of this inquiry inquiry. So that's also a double cover for them, too. So they don't have to do anything, and they can also say, but we're doing the inquiry, so we have to, to keep the inquiry going, we have to keep funding this bloated government. So it's really interesting, but I, I think the American people, I hope, are, are, are seeing this for what it is. And, and, you know, I'm all for term limits, and I'm all for kicking people out of office. I don't care what party you're in. I don't think you should serve that long. I don't think we should have dead bodies as senators in either party. Uh, I could not agree more. Okay, I'm fr sorry we have to wrap this up. Rob, tell people where they can see you in the coming days and weeks. Well, I'm going to be, you can go to robschneider.com where I'm performing and see where I'm, I'm at. And then the, the crowds have been crazy great because I think, you, you know, you're not going to hear what you hear from uh, what I say on television. <laughs> so anyway, so it is nice where people come out and it, it really is a, a fun time. And it's it's jokes 
and it's um, it really is hopefully just you know what it is is a return to sanity. And most people uh, in America are calm and good people, and they want to continue the same freedoms for their children. And so you know that that's it's just a it's a good evening and, and with a lot of good jokes and. We have a great time. So I hope people want to come out and, and see me perform. And it's a real pleasure, Roger, and thank you for being a real uh, a beacon uh, of light during these times. I really appreciate you, and I have a, a ton of respect for you. So let's uh, continue the good fight, and let's talk again soon. All right, folks, go to robschneider.com. You can see where this incredibly gifted, talented entertainer is appearing. Uh, he, he can make me laugh out loud. I can't say that about many other comics today. Uh, and like me, he finds a lot of funny material in every day's news. Rob Schneider, thank you so much for joining us on The Roger Stone Show. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. A man who's gone through hell... But he's kept going, and he's smart, and he's strong, and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect him. Roger Stone. Now, here's Roger Stone. This is Roger Stone, and you're back on the Roger Stone Show here at 77 WABC Radio. Joining me now is one of the most articulate attorneys in the country, a principal conservative. Mike Davis is the former chief counsel for nominations of the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee. He worked for that great American patriot, Senator Chuck Grassley. He is also active in the Article 3 project to ensure that those appointed to our federal judiciary actually believe in the U.S. Constitution. He's also active in the uh, the uh, Internet Accountability Project, as well as the unsilenced uh, majority organization fighting against cancel culture. Davis, welcome to The Roger Stone Show. Thank you very much for having me, Roger. Well, there's a lot to cover today. Uh, I guess uh, we'll start with the lawfare against President Donald Trump. Uh, as I look at these various uh, indictments uh, in New York, uh, in Georgia, in Washington, D.C., what I see is a willful effort to weaponize uh, the judicial system for strictly political purposes. Uh, I have no doubt whatsoever that if Donald Trump was not leading for the Republican nomination by double digits, heavy double digits, and continuing to lead Joe Biden uh, in national trial heats as well as in the swing states, well, I really doubt any of this would be happening. So why don't we start with the question of the special counsel, Jack Smith, and his charges against Donald Trump, which appear to me to be simply because the president had the audacity to exercise his First Amendment rights to question the anomalies, irregularities, and potential fraud in the last presidential election. Yeah, but this is obvious Democrat lawfare against President Trump. This is obvious election interference to take out President Trump through the legal system, through lawfare. They want to put him in prison for the rest of his life instead of facing him on November 5th, 2024. And their fear is founded because the, the American people are waking up to this. And if you look at the polling, including 
a Fox News poll that came out uh, just uh, yesterday, President Trump is beating President Biden like a drum. And that's what they're terrified of. They're terrified of the will of the American people. So they want these Democrat lawyers and Democrat prosecutors and Democrat judges and Democrat juries and these Democrat hellholes, third world third world Marxist hellholes of New York, D.C. and Atlanta to decide the the next election. They want to have President Biden or Kamala or uh, Gavin Newsom to win by default by taking up taking out President Trump. You saw this. They they've impeached him twice. They've indicted him four times. They've brought these civil lawsuits. He's Teflon Don. He's just gotten stronger. And now their next place is they simply want to use a civil war, uh, a provision, disqualification provision for rebellion or insurrection under the 14th Amendment, a post-Civil War amendment to, to, uh, to eliminate Confederate uh, uh, sympathizers from running for federal office. They're trying to use that now. Uh, after 150 years after the Civil War to just take President Trump off the ballot. This is all bogus. It's just going to make President Trump stronger because I think the American people see that he's our president. He's not the D.C. Uniparty president. So, uh, look, I'm not an attorney, and you're a very astute attorney, uh, and I read everything you write, and I enjoy your various media appearances because I think you're very, very effective. But as I understand it, uh, in the D.C. case, uh, they are claiming that Trump knew in his heart and his mind that he had lost the election uh, and that he sought to cling to power anyway. But that requires them to prove, I think the legal term is mens rea, what Trump's state of mind was. Now, I know the president. I don't think there was any juncture, not then, not now, that he ever believed that he had lost a free, fair, honest, transparent election. How will they prove this? In other words, their argument was, well, the CIA director told you, the head of Homeland Security told you, Bill Barr told you. Uh, I don't think it matters who told him. What matters is what he believed. No? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a fraud theory, which is bogus, because you have to show that he made... Uh, you know, knowingly false statements, and there was detrimental reliance, and so they're not going to be able to prove that. I, I know President Trump not as well as you do, but I know that he still believes what he said, and frankly, I believe what he said because I, I do think that there were irregularities. Think about it this way: if it were such a free and fair election, why did they break? Why did they break federal law to conduct this election? They used COVID illegally to uh, as an excuse. For these Democrat officials and these weak uniparty Republicans to mass mail ballots out to the voter registration list, people move, people die. College students at college campuses move, right? And I got a ballot in Washington, D.C., a live ballot in Washington, D.C. at my house for someone who had died many, many, many years before that. And what would stop me from voting That live ballot that was illegally mass mailed to me, I didn't request it. It just got sent out to old list. They didn't even send a postcard saying, hey, is uh, is this your current address? And if the postcard bounced back, they wouldn't have to send a ballot. They just mass mailed these live ballots. And what would stop these live ballots from being counted is uh, election 
election observers, so evidence gatherers, and signature verification. And then the Democrats and then the weak uniparty Republicans got rid of election observers and they turned signature verification down to the point where it was meaningless, right? So it didn't matter what the what the signature said. It was going to get through the system because they they turned the computers down to such a way where it was going to was it going to catch any of these bad signatures? So then they then they say, well, you, you don't have evidence. Well, you threw out the evidence gatherers, and then you you block people from from gathering evidence during this election. So you, you have to look at this under as a lawyer. Uh, when you're in civil litigation, if the other side destroys or withholds evidence, it's called spoliation of evidence. And there is a the court can order that the jury can infer that if there's spoliation of evidence, if the other side hid evidence, withheld evidence or destroyed evidence, you can presume that evidence was bad for the person who hid it or withheld it or destroyed it. So, I mean, that's number one. So Democrats were complaining about, you know, that their, their, their election deniers are the same people who withheld or destroyed uh, this evidence. And so we uh, so that's point number one. But even if you think that President Trump is wrong or even if you think he's crazy, uh, he's allowed to object to the election under the Electoral Count Act of 1887. It is not a crime to object to presidential elections. It's allowed by federal law. If it were a crime to object to presidential elections, Democrats would be in prison for objecting to Republican wins in 1968, 2000, uh, 2000, 2004, and 2016. And it's not a crime to twist arms politically. That is allowed by the First Amendment. It is a messy process. So on both of these January 6th indictments, both Jack Smith's indictment in D.C. and Fannie Willis's indictment and down in Atlanta, Georgia, there's zero evidence, zero evidence that President Trump incited the violence on January 6th. Right. It was not an insurrection. It was it was a riot. It was a protest, lawful, a lawful protest permitted by the National Park Service that got out of control and turned into a riot. How many insurrectionists get to the Senate floor of a nation's capital, uh, walk through velvet ropes, take selfies, follow police direction, and don't burn down the damn place, right? It was it was not an insurrection. If it were an insurrection, the House Democrat January 6th Kangaroo Commission that looked at this for years and the Biden Justice Department that looked at this for years, they would have found evidence. They found no evidence. They haven't charged ins- insurrection. They haven't charged rebellion. So it's not that. If it if Trump incited the riot, they would have found evidence. They didn't fight any evidence because it did not happen. So short of President Trump inciting violence or short of, for example, Rudy Giuliani having the real electors tied up in his trunk and sitting in fake electors with fake IDs instead of contingent electors uh, to to uh, maintain Trump's legal position, which is what they did, contingent electors, not fake electors. I don't know how the hell these Democrats think that any of these criminal criminal indictments are going to be upheld uh, by the Supreme Court. But frankly, at the end of the day, Roger, I don't think they care. They know the Supreme Court's not going to decide this until well after November 5th, 2024. And this is all about political lawfare and election interference. Uh, let's go back to this uh, question of uh, attempts now in Minnesota, Colorado, uh, Florida, uh, and elsewhere. 
to have Democrat election officials, secretaries of state in some cases, uh, withhold President Trump's name from the ballot because they claim uh, that he participated in an insurrection and that that violates uh, Article 18, Section 3 of the U.S. Constitution. Uh, again, I'm not an attorney, but where is this conviction for insurrection? That is their opinion. They're putting, they're acting on the basis of their opinion. No judicial finding. Uh, it, and uh, it is, uh, since when do the states have this rights? I mean, the federal constitution and almost all of these decisions over the last 20 years have, uh, have leaned away from states' rights. Now suddenly the Secretary of State in Colorado happens to be a Democrat just because it is their opinion that Donald Trump participated in insurrection, despite any conviction for that crime, uh, can arbitrarily keep Trump off the ballot? This seems to me to be more egregious, perhaps in some ways, uh, than, the, uh, than the indictments of him in various jurisdictions. This is completely lawless, and this is very, very dangerous, what the Democrats are doing here. These are republic-ending tactics. Again, they, they impeached Trump twice. They've indicted him four times. They've brought these bogus civil lawsuits uh, around the country, including uh, New York Attorney General Tish James bringing a civil fraud lawsuit against President Trump for the non-fraud of a businessman paying back sophisticated Wall Street banks in full with interest. And they realize that they've turned President Trump into Tupac and they just just keep making him stronger and stronger. And so now they want to dust off this Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, the Civil War Amendments. Uh, the, the, this was passed. The, the, after the Civil War, we passed, the Congress passed and the states ratified the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to the Constitution to outlaw slavery, guarantee equal protection and due process to the freed slaves, and guarantee voting rights to freed male slaves. They added women uh, in the 19th Amendment later, but uh, that those were the Civil War Amendments. As part of the Civil War Amendments, there was a fear by the uh, during the Reconstruction efforts, there was a fear among Union officials that the Confederates, Confederates and Confederate sympathizers were winning elections to the U.S. House and other key offices, and they were going to undermine the post-war efforts, the reconstruction efforts, and undermine the Union. So Congress added Section 3 to the 14th Amendment that was ratified by the state that disqualified these Confederate sympathizers from holding office if they engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States during the Civil War. And so this is the, the disqualification clause of the 14th Amendment. And this has been largely dormant for 155 years until Trump and these Trump deranged uh, Democrats and even Trump deranged Republicans are bringing up this ridiculous legal theory to remove President Trump from the ballot. It is frivolous. It is dangerous. You can't just have some secretary of state or some other partisan official in the state just declare that President Trump committed insurrection or rebellion and take him off the, the, the ballot, that is the most anti-democratic, dangerous thing imaginable. Because then what they're trying to do is they're trying to test this. They're trying to do this in blue states like Colorado. I spend 80 percent of my time in Colorado. I'm getting ready to write a piece about this. Uh, they, they, so they're going to test it in blue states and get a good ruling in blue states. And then they're going to take that ruling and try to use that precedent in swing states and take – 
you know, try to disqualify President Trump in the ballot on, in swing states like New Hampshire, and then President Biden is just going to win by default. Here's the problem with what their what their argument is: there is a case that's that is controlled. There's a controlling case on point that what you have to do in order to disqualify a president, it's the Griffin's case from 1869. What you have to do is Congress has to pass a federal statute under Section 5 of the 14th Amendment to make Section 3 have its effect. So in order for, to disqualify for insurrection or rebellion, Congress has to pass a federal criminal statute, which Congress has done. They they passed the Enforcement Act of 1860, 1871, or the Ku Klux Klan Act, that Congress revised to its current form in 1948 that calls for disqualification after a criminal conviction uh, with with evidence beyond a reasonable, reasonable doubt by a jury of their peers up, uh, upheld on, on appeal. If all that happens, a uh, unanimous jury of their peers uh, up, up, up their peers upheld on appeal, then you can disqualify under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. But you can't just have someone say Trump's an insurrectionist or Trump's a committed rebellion under the, uh, under the Constitution, so therefore he comes off the ballot. There is no evidence that Trump did any of this because Jack Smith and Fannie Willis and the January 6th Commission and the rest of the Biden uh, regime, the Biden Justice, Justice Department, found no evidence this happened. This is lawless. And frankly, if you use the theory that Fannie Willis is using down in Georgia, it sounds like a Republican attorney general, a Republican DA, somewhere in America should charge these people for RICO, for Democrats pursuing this bogus legal theory, this anti-Democrat bogus legal theory to disqualify Trump from the ballot. Yeah, a civil RICO case against these people is a very, very interesting option. I, I know a number of high-powered attorneys who are friends of mine who have been talking about that. Folks, if you're just tuning in, this is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC Radio. Uh, you can listen to us at wabcradio.com. We are live streaming worldwide, and I'm interviewing Mike Davis, former chief counsel of the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, active with the uh, Article 3 project to ensure the appointment of conservative jurists who actually believe in the U.S. Constitution, uh, as well as the Internet Accountability Project uh, and the Unsilenced Majority, an organization that fights cancel culture. Uh, Mike, uh, what do you make of the documents case uh, currently uh, in the courts uh, in Miami. It seemed to me that initially the deep state planned to put all of their eggs in that particular basket. Uh, very strange sequence of events. Uh, President Trump argues that under the 1977 Presidential Documents Act, he has the unilateral authority to do anything he wants uh, with uh, presidential documents. It seemed to me that Judge Amy Berman Jackson, uh, who actually was the judge in my case, uh, uh, upheld Bill Clinton's right to do whatever he wanted with his post-presidential uh, documents, uh, including keeping them in his sock drawer at home. Uh, but then when that case uh, on a you know arbitrary selection uh, uh, of of, uh, pardon me, a non-arbitrary selection of the judge using the wheel, selected uh, Judge Eileen Cannon, 
who happened to be appointed by Donald Trump, uh, it was then and only then that the deep state decided that they needed to uh, gear up an effort in a more favorable jurisdiction. Now, the attacks on Judge Cannon have been disgusting. She is more than qualified. She is a former prosecutor with a pristine record of integrity. Uh, she is a Cuban immigrant uh, who is uh, who has fled, whose family fled communism. When they say she's unqualified or that she's a lightweight, what they mean is she's an honest judge. Donald Trump might actually get a fair trial in Miami, so we have to go to D.C., where it'd be very hard, in my opinion, having been through this particular meat grinder myself, for him to get a fair trial. What do you think of the documents case in Miami? I, I've been talking about this uh, for more than a year. It was a lo- I was a, a, the lonely voice out there for many months when too many Republican lawyers, lawyers and politicians were hiding in fear. I was out there uh, probably 15 times a day on TV and radio and podcast defending President Trump from day one on this Mar-a-Lago raid because I know it's bogus. I worked in the Bush 43 White House. Forgive me. I've, I've since gotten over uh, the, the, the Bush stuff. But, you know, think about it this way. We have a Presidential Records Act. And under the Presidential Records Act, any documents created or received or received by the president or his White House staff uh, are presidential records. And under the Presidential Records Act, uh, the, he, the president can access his presidential records anytime he wants. That's why Congress gives the former president, the office of the former president, with federally funded staff, with security clearances, with uh, federally funded secure office space, with Secret Service protection, he's allowed to access his records, classified or not, under the Presidential Records Act. And then you talked about the Clinton Sotomayor case. The president is allowed to take a personal copy of any of his any of his presidential records anytime he wants. Remember, these are not original records for the most part that President Trump had down in Mar-a-Lago. These were copies from, like for example, the, the federal agencies, the CIA. So if the CIA sent a copy of a classified record to President Trump or his staff. He's allowed to access those. Those become presidential records. He's allowed to access them anytime he wants, and he can take a personal copy. And the Clinton Sotomayor case is very telling. You talked about Judge Burma. I guarantee you that she would not have the same ruling now with Trump because she's a partisan. But under the Clinton Sotomayor case, President Clinton got caught with eight years of highly classified audio recordings of his presidency, 79 tapes in his sock drawer. And Tom Fitton at Judicial Watch uh, sued to get these records, right? And what the Clinton uh, the Clinton lawyers argued successfully to the district court is, is, look, these are presidential records, and he deemed them personal. The mere facts that President Clinton took these with him when he left the White House, and he did not turn them over to the librarians at the National Archives, uh, makes them personal records under the Presidential Records Act, so go away. And that's exactly what happened with President Clinton. So why would that not also apply to President Trump? And the reason is is because we have a Trump derangement syndrome exception to every law, every constitutional provision, every federal statute, because the uniparty uni in D.C. Uh, hates President Trump, and they want him to go away. 
I saw criminal defense lawyer David Schoen, uh, who's one of the sharpest attorneys I know, uh, the other night uh, with Mark Levin, and he made this exact case. Uh, you can look at any law and all the precedents, uh, but then you have to remember there's always the Trump exception, meaning the laws apply to everyone else, but they don't apply to Donald Trump because of Trump derangement syndrome. I was surprised in the in the documents case in Florida that the president's lawyers did not object to the protective order. In other words, the government wants to charge Donald Trump for his handling of documents, but they don't want the American people to know what those documents were about, what they pertain to. I thought that was extremely odd. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not Trump's attorney. I, I I'm happy to help him any any time I can. Um, you can what what do they say? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So I I don't know what uh, what the rationale was for that. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't either. Uh, I saw this past week uh, that uh, the president's lawyers finally uh, filed a motion to recuse uh, Judge Chutkin, uh, who is sitting on the D.C. case. Uh, again, I'm a little surprised because uh, everything in their fairly well-crafted motion uh, seemed to be known to them the day that Judge Chutkin was assigned this case. Seems to me, this is just my opinion, you don't have to comment on it, uh, that waiting until the judge had made a series of adverse rulings against Trump makes it appear that he now seeks her removal because of that, not based on the fact that, for example, in her sentencing of one of the January 6th defendants, she essentially said that it was a shame that this defendant was going to prison when the man responsible for the actions of January 6th continued uh, to remain free. That, to me, is absolute evidence uh, of bias. Judge Chutkin is also a, was a major fundraiser, bundler uh, for uh, Barack Obama, as was her husband, who also serves on the federal bench, as was her mother-in-law. She had actually previously tried to seal the Fusion GPS records, so we would never be able to know who actually paid for the completely phony steel dossier. So there's a history uh, of, uh, I think, uh, adverse rulings there against the president and a mocity uh, against the president. Uh, she has already summarily dismissed the claim by Trump's lawyers that this case in Washington is election interference. Uh, I'm glad to see that they filed their motion. I just think they should have done it sooner. Uh, I can tell you, Mike, that I have spoken to the president. I saw him a couple weeks ago. He, he really is superhuman. I mean, any other human being under this kind of massive pressure, I mean, they're trying to put him away for 100 years, uh, would be, uh, you know, would be stressed, would be angry, would be apoplectic, would be depressed. He is none of those things. He is resolute. Uh, he is determined. Uh, he's a little angry, but he, I think he has the right to be angry because no former president has been treated this way. John F. Kennedy filed a slate of alternative electors when there was a dispute over the outcome of the election in Hawaii. On election night, Vice President Richard Nixon was declared the winner. Uh, his electors were certified. They had to be decertified because uh, John Kennedy had filed a slate of alternative 
contingent electors who ended up going to the Electoral College. Nobody accused John Kennedy of committing a crime. If one examines the election of 1800, uh, the uh, the politicization of the entire Electoral College system, the horse trading, the threats, uh, that was, uh, you know, for our founding fathers, that was okay. But Donald Trump simply exercising his First Amendment rights uh, to question the irregularities in the election has somehow been criminalized, uh, but making it even worse, all political activity, including politically protected free speech and political activity, uh, has been criminalized under this administration. And it is designed to have a chilling effect on those uh, who would challenge the election results. Unfortunately, we are out of time here, but I want to thank uh, our guest, uh, Mike Davis, former chief counsel of the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, working there for that great American patriot, Iowa Center Senator Chuck Grassley, uh, for joining us today on The Roger Stone Show. Mike, many, many thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. A man who's gone through hell, but he's kept going and he's smart and he's strong and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect him. Roger Stone. Now, here's Roger Stone. This is Roger Stone and you're back at The Roger Stone Show. We're here from three to five every Sunday afternoon. That's three to five Eastern time. I have to say that because, well, not only can you listen to us at 770 on the AM dial, perhaps the most powerful AM radio signal in the United States, but you can also listen to us at wabcradio.com where we are live streaming worldwide. You don't want to miss what we have uh, every Sunday where we talk politics and break down the week's headlines with insider perspective that, well, frankly, I don't think you can get anyplace else. As I said earlier in the show, uh, I think that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has figured out that the Democratic Party establishment is stacking the rules against him in such a way that it makes his candidacy impossible. Joe Biden, or whoever the Democrats ultimately choose, are not going to allow him a debate. Uh, Therefore, he will never have that platform. And now they have passed a rule, because of the change in their delegate selection process, uh, to bypass the traditional Iowa caucuses, usually first in the nation, Uh, and the New Hampshire primary. In fact, the Democratic National Committee has stripped the state Democratic committees in those two states for having any delegates to the Democratic National Convention because they refuse to move their primary behind South Carolina. Now, the Democratic parties in Iowa and New Hampshire really have no choice because their primaries and caucuses are mandated by state law. But if Robert Kennedy even sets foot in either state to campaign, well, then they would remove his name from the ballot in the Georgia, South Carolina, 
and Nevada primaries. You see, the fix is in. They don't want an open, fair competition. And that's why uh, my sources, and my sources are pretty good, tell me that Robert Kennedy is going to launch an independent candidacy uh, for the 2024 election. Now, the difficulty of running as an independent should not be underestimated. Remember, the laws having to do with ballot access are written by Republicans and Democrats working together to keep their duopoly and make sure that no other candidate gets on the ballot. You see, if you had the support of, say, the Libertarian Party uh, or the Green Party, well, those established minor parties actually have permanent ballot status, which they have earned through uh, running candidates in local and state as well as national elections in about 30 states. That means they only have to petition their way on in the remaining states. In 2012, when I myself bolted the Republican Party because of the uh, candidacy of Mitt Romney, who I really couldn't stomach, I helped New Mexico Governor Gary Johnson get on the ballot in 48 states as the Libertarian Party candidate. I can tell you, however, that the ballot access process is extraordinarily expensive, technologically and legally difficult, as well as manpower intensive. Whether Robert Kennedy, who I like very much, despite the fact that I'm supporting Donald Trump for another term in the White House, has uh, the wherewithal to take on this Herculean task, well, that really remains to be seen. It is very important to note, however, that even if Robert Kennedy were to succeed in getting on the ballot uh, as an independent candidate, the chances of him being allowed into the formal televised presidential debates is virtually zero. That's because the Presidential Commission on Debates uh, is uh, not appointed by the president is not a commission, and it is most certainly not about debates. You see, the Republican and Democratic national chairmen are the co-chairs of this phony baloney commission, uh, and they peg your participation in the televised debates uh, to your standing in the polls. Well, it's a, it's a, a, a circle. If you can't get in the debate, you can't improve your standing in the polls. And if you don't improve your standing in the polls, well, then you can't be allowed in the debates. You see how that works? What really should be the measure of who's included in the presidential debates is whether or not a candidate has achieved ballot position in states equaling 270 electoral votes. In other words, Are you on the ballot in enough states uh, to theoretically win the presidency? By the way, uh, Professor Cornell West uh, is going to get on the ballot as the Green Party nominee. Uh, That party has had long experience with getting on the ballot in most of the states. I believe uh, in the last presidential race, 
They were on the ballot, and I believe it was 48 states. Uh, and uh, he is going to drain votes from Joe Biden. I don't think that is his purpose, by the way. He just doesn't think today's Democratic Party is progressive enough. And he is, don't get me wrong, very, very articulate, a firebrand. But sadly for Professor West, he's not going to get into the debates either. That's because it's a rigged game. So I wish RFK well. Uh, but he's about to undertake uh, a process that has really only successfully be done, been done by billionaire Ross Perot, who, people forget this, in 1992, as an independent candidate, had the financial wherewithal to get on the ballot, cost him tens of millions of dollars, but actually for a brief shining moment, was leading both George uh, W. Bush, pardon me, George H. W. Bush, uh, and Bill Clinton in the polls. That was until his candidacy imploded. It imploded when Perot made some bizarre claims that Republicans had sent agents to invade his daughter's wedding or that Republicans were making threats on his life. People won't remember this, but after withdrawing from the race, he later dived back in the race. But unfortunately, the damage was done. Ross Perot is, however, the last independent or minor party candidate to get into the formal presidential debates. I do not think, should he choose to run as an independent, that Robert Kennedy will be so fortunate. It's a shame that they are kneecapping his candidacy. He's the only Democrat who favors sealing our southern border. Uh, he's the only candidate uh, who opposes shipping billions of dollars more to the Ukrainian regime. Uh, he has an extraordinary uh, housing project, a housing proposal, and has been very forthright about the fact that Huge companies like Vanguard and BlackRock are systematically buying up all of the single-family housing stock uh, in the country. And then there, of course, is his valiant uh, defense of health freedom. Uh, if Robert Kennedy could get covered by the mainstream media, who seeks to either disparage him or ignore him, well, I think he could get real traction. On the other hand, one needs to recognize how the modern Democratic Party has changed. This is no longer the party of Harry Truman, who founded the State of Israel, or ardent anti-communist and tax-cutter, uh, silver-backed dollar advocate, uh, and skeptic about our intelligence agencies, John F. Kennedy. That old pro-capitalist Democratic Party literally does not exist anymore. And therefore, I've seen polling of Democratic primary voters uh, that show that 68% of those surveyed actually admit that, well, they don't believe in God. 25% of Democratic primary voters in one survey I saw of early Democratic primary voters in a given state 25% said they went to church 
regularly, but of those, almost 85% were over 50 years old. See, the problem, of course, is that Democratic primary voters are getting their information from MSNBC and CNN. Both networks have gone out of their way to disparage Robert Kennedy as some kind of kook. Uh, And unfortunately, uh, because repetition matters in politics, the fact that Robert Kennedy has never, in his entire career, including in this campaign, ever made any public claim on any issue whatsoever that he could not bolster and back up with an authoritative study and documentation, well, that is entirely lost uh, on the voters, at least in the Democratic primary process. Let's not lose sight of the fact, however, that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has the Kennedy magic. Uh, He is charismatic. Uh, He is uh, well-spoken. He is extraordinarily uh, determined. Uh, I have asked his campaign chairman, Congressman Dennis Kucinich, to come on here uh, at the Roger Stone Show several times. Hopefully we're going to get that booked because I'd like him to come and make the case for the candidacy of RFK as stand-up comic uh, and actor Rob Schneider did so eloquently here today. Speaking of the Kennedys, well, the bloom is really off the rose when it comes to the now discredited Warren Commission claim uh, that Lee Harvey Oswald, a lone nut acting by himself, was responsible for the shooting death of President John F. Kennedy, firing uh, three times from the sixth floor window of the Texas School Book Depository. Just this past week, uh, a former Secret Service agent, Paul Landis, 88 years old, broke his silence after 60 years. You see, Landis came forward to contradict the finding in the Warren Commission that claimed that a bullet was, uh, was found on the stretcher of Texas Governor John Connolly, and that this is allegedly... Uh, the infamous magic bullet. You see, the Warren Commission has us believe uh, that John F. Kennedy uh, was shot from the rear, that the bullet exited his throat and then hit Connolly. The problem with this is now Landis has come forward and said the bullet found on Connolly's stretcher was actually found by him in the back seat of the presidential limousine and that he had brought it to Parkland Hospital uh, and placed it uh, on the stretcher of President John F. Kennedy. This now casts doubt on the entire magic bullet theory and raises the very real possibility that there were, as I have claimed for some time uh, in my book, The Man Who Killed Kennedy, the case against LBJ, a New York Times bestseller, uh, that there were multiple shooters. And in fact, John F. Kennedy was shot multiple times from both the front and the back. That means more than one shooter. Well, folks, that means there was a conspiracy. Of all the news outlets to break this story, most uh, unlikely is uh, 
the New York Times. The New York Times has propped up the fake narrative of the Warren Commission, which really was discredited in 1978 by the House Select Committee on Assassinations, which contradicted the official foundings of the Warren Commission, uh, but claimed in very general terms uh, that their investigation showed that President John F. Kennedy was indeed the victim of a conspiracy, and they identified at least one of those involved in the conspiracy as organized crime. What people don't know is that the Central Intelligence Agency stonewalled the House Assassinations Committee, refusing to provide either testimony or any of the classified documents. Now, just in case someone doubts Mr. Landis, a nurse who was on duty that day in Parkland Hospital in Dallas, her name is Phyllis Hall, uh, has come forward to say that she saw the bullet sitting on Kennedy's stretcher. So the bullet that the Warren Commission claimed dislodged from Connolly's body and was thus found on Connolly's stretcher was in fact placed on the stretcher of President John F. Kennedy uh, and therefore discredits the entire single bullet theory. Now, the very best book on this subject was written by, well, me. It's called The Man Who Killed Kennedy, The Case Against LBJ. It's the first book I ever wrote. It is a New York Times bestseller, which I make the case not only debunking the magic bullet theory, uh, but also pointing forward my theory using eyewitness evidence, fingerprint evidence, deep Texas politics, and a huge amount of circumstantial evidence to make the case that LBJ had the motive, means, and opportunity to kill John F. Kennedy. In fact, he had the greatest motive because LBJ was the subject of uh, two federal investigations, one the Bobby Baker investigation. Uh, Bobby Baker was the Secretary of the Senate. He was also Johnson's bagman. Uh, he stood accused and ultimately went to jail for accepting millions of dollars in bribes on behalf of LBJ, who as a sitting president after the assassination of JFK was, of course, not charged. Uh, but he was also in trouble over the Billy Sol Estes investigation. Billy Sol Estes was a flamboyant Texas Wheeler dealer. Uh, who had received multi-million dollar agricultural contracts from the federal government uh, through the influence of Vice President Lyndon Johnson, and Sal Estes was kicking back millions to LBJ. Now, strangely enough, Robert Caro, who has written a multi-volume, highly acclaimed Pulitzer Prize-winning biography of LBJ, Somehow he manages to never mention Billy Sal Estes at all. If you go back and look at the column inches, Sal Estes and that scandal got more media coverage than Bobby Baker got. But maybe that's because Sal Estes, after he was released from jail, came forward and swore under oath that he was in the room when LBJ orchestrated and planned the execution 
of his successor. You can get your very own copy of my New York Times bestselling book, The Man Who Killed Kennedy, by going to themanwhokilledkennedy.com, themanwhokilledkennedy.com. It is a page turner, but if you are interested uh, in the Kennedy assassination, well, when I uh, ran into uh, uh, the uh, the uh, one of the leading movie producers in the country recently, uh, Mel Gibson, he told me that this was the single best book he had ever read on the Kennedy assassination. I recommend it to you. Again, the man who killed Kennedy dot com. Check it out. If you're just tuning in, this is Roger Stone. We're in the final segment of the Roger Stone Show. We are here from 3 to 5 every Sunday afternoon. What's really bothering me, folks, is the crucifixion of Mayor Rudy Giuliani. You can hear America's Mayor every weekday here on WABC. Last week, the week of the 22nd anniversary of 9-11, Uh, former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, once a universally beloved figure, uh, was under siege in a manner that would have seemed, to me, wholly unfathomable in the aftermath of the World Trade Center attacks. Rudy Giuliani is literally being legally, financially, and personally crucified. Because Rudy Giuliani boldly and unapologetically stood up for President Donald Trump and zealously represented his legal client, and because he exposed election fraud in the 2020 presidential election, this American's hero's character is being aggressively assassinated in a coordinated fashion. Giuliani was recently booked on felony charges in the state of Georgia by leftists who want to publish, punish Donald Trump's high-profile supporters and to create a chilling effect against anyone who would dare oppose election fraud in 2024. Giuliani has been hit with a litany of ridiculous and bizarre charges that when viewed out of context would make the man out to be a nefarious criminal mastermind. It's an outrage. Some of the charges levied against Rudy Giuliani uh, by affirmative action Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Wills include conspiracy to commit impersonating a public officer, conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer, and conspiracy to commit false statements and writings. It is a cruel and outrageous irony that the man who once took down the mob in New York City is being hit with a phony RICO charge himself. Recently, I saw the Gateway Pundit noted that Giuliani had been charged with crimes of tweeting, placing phone calls to elected officials, and for claiming election workers were counting ballots after hours outside of public view in the State Farm Arena in Atlanta. Uh, These uh, constitutionally protected citizen actions, advocacy for clients common of licensed attorneys, and the sharing of opinions that in any other instant would be completely permissible 
under the First Amendment are now actually being considered as capital offenses, and one of America's most decorated heroes is the test case in conjuring up this dangerous new precedent. As expected, Rudy Giuliani, who is one tough customer, has remained defiant in the face of odds that would frankly make lesser men fold immediately under pressure. Giuliani has noted that virtually everyone who has been charged with President Donald Trump uh, is an attorney and was acting in their capacity as an attorney. I think Rudy Giuliani's courage is admirable, but it does seem that most Americans uh, share his ironclad resolve. Pardon me, it does not seem like they share his ironclad resolve. Where is the widespread outrage for a man who cleaned up New York City, who bravely stood up against corruption throughout his entire career at every level, and who helped America heal after the nation's worst tragedy in many generations? It is sadly missing. Uh, With many independents and moderates mollified by the propaganda and conservatives too shell-shocked from the January 6th Reichstag event to effectively mobilize or even express their outrage. Most elected Republicans do not even want to touch this issue, believing that they may be next to be targeted if they are outspoken. Many of these same Republicans care more about their power, prestige, or easy paycheck, and they were happy to look the other way in 2020, believing it would be easier to protest their way of life if Well, Donald J. Trump, our greatest president since Abraham Lincoln, was simply out of the picture. It's more convenient to dismiss Giuliani than to confront the dystopian repercussions of his railroading. Giuliani has been painted as a bumbler, as senile, as someone who has disgraced his legacy. Anyone who knows Rudy Giuliani or listens to Mayor Giuliani's show here on a daily basis on WABC Radio can say definitively that Rudy Giuliani is just as sharp as ever. Rudy Giuliani's actions in the wake of the 2020 presidential election are analogous to his behavior during the September 11 attacks. When others were crippled by fear, Rudy Giuliani rose to the occasion. Whether after 7-11, September 11th, or the stolen election of 2022. This is the story of the real Giuliani, and this represents his true legacy. Giuliani pursued the deep state and the pro-Biden conspirators with the same ferocity and zeal in which he would tackle any worthwhile endeavor. The fact that Rudy Giuliani was not nearly as celebrated this time around shows how much America has changed, I think, for the worst. Over the past two decades, it's really been a tragedy. Standing for constitutional liberty after September 11 made you a hero, but standing up for those same hardcore basic freedoms will make you a pariah in 2023. Rudy Giuliani is an example of the lonely road that American patriots must travel in these dark times where they are hated and scorned by a sophisticated and multifaceted political machine that seeks to destroy our very civilization. 
After the September 11 attacks, there were waves of patriotism that swept this country. The nation was unified, and the people believed that terrorists would be defeated. Instead, the Patriot Act has been weaponized to be used by the deep state against the American people and to open the door to mass-based illegal surveillance and a police state. Now the U.S. abdicates its responsibilities in Afghanistan in the most disgraceful circumstances and shifts focus on a senseless money dump for the military-industrial complex in Ukraine. The war on terror is undeniably an abject failure, and America is trapped in a death spiral that only seems to worsen each day. America's greatest heroes, like Rudy Giuliani, are painted as her villains, as reality is inverted. The public has forgotten Rudy Giuliani's indictment is a testimony to this dismal state of affairs. Those who want to help Mayor Rudy Giuliani can go to the Rudy Giuliani Freedom Fund.com. That's the Rudy Giuliani Freedom Fund.com. And God will bless you if you choose to do so. Anybody who saw Mike Lindell's deposition uh, this last week, uh, you saw a lawyer had the audacity to say that Mike sold lumpy pillows. That's nonsense. Uh, in fact, Mike Lindell has a new pillow at MyPillow.com. It's called MyPillow 2.0. It uses a patented cooling technology so the pillow remains cool to the touch throughout the night. If you want to get one, go to MyPillow.com. And when you're there, well, I wouldn't mind it if you used promo code STONE. This valiant patriot deserves your support. And, well, I would appreciate it as well. So when you go to MyPillow.com, please remember to use promo code STONE. Next Sunday, Garrett Ziegler of the nonprofit group Marco Polo joins us here on The Roger Stone Show. He's being sued by Hunter Biden. You can look forward to that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, this has been my pleasure to break all this down for you. We are here at The Roger Stone Show from 3 to 5 every Sunday afternoon. Uh, if you love politics, you're going to want to be here on The Roger Stone Show. That's all for today. Remember to tune in for my friend Joe Piscopo's Sunday with Sinatra at 6 p.m. Until next week, God bless you and Godspeed.